Ristolainen still with it. Yeah, he got it across ice. Back to Ristolainen. Off the Hi, hello. Welcome to It Can't Get Any Worse, America's Worst Podcast for America's Worst Hockey Team. I'm your host, Jay, and on today's show, we are specifically focusing on the band down the road, the Rochester Americans, who saw a rather promising season end in less than favorable ways during the 2017-2018 season. Now, as the parent club, the Buffalo Sabres are poised to take the next step in their rebuilding process, Their AHL affiliate looks poised to reap the benefits of finally having an abundance of young talent. Before we begin, I'd like to tell you that we are primarily a Buffalo Sabres podcast covering the ins, outs, and miserable sufferings of that team we hate to love. If you enjoy this show, please stop by and drop us a five-star rating on iTunes and tweet us your questions at ickgaw, that's I-C-G-A-W on Twitter. You can also drop us an email at ickgawpod at gmail.com. You can find all that information in our show notes. On our next show, we'll be answering all of your questions, so please be sure to drop us a line, and we'll talk about what you have to offer on our next show. So we're going to talk about everything that occurred last season with the Rochester Americans, and things started off on a pretty hot start. Um, One of the decisions that Botterill made at the beginning of the season was that the Amherst would have their own GM, which is how things were operated where Botterill came from in Pittsburgh. Randy Sexton was named the GM of the Rochester Americans. It's a formerly the head coach, I'm sorry, the head of amateur scouting in Pittsburgh. He has some GM experience at the NHL level with Ottawa and Florida. And of course, Chris Taylor was named head coach. He's a former Amherst player, very well liked within the organization. And from the start, the Amherst flew out of the gates. They had impressive performances from a lot of players including guys from within the organization like Brendan Gooley, C.J. Smith culminated in an all-star appearance. Linus Allmark was lights out. He also made an all-star appearance. Some new, some of the newer guys like Steve Moses jumped off to a great scoring rate and a bunch of other strong performances from a lot of other players had the Amherst flirting with the top of the AHL standings in the opening months. Then they had a bit of a difficult second half of the season. Um, It really, if you had to pick a specific point where things started going wrong, this wasn't the moment that like, or this this specific instance didn't ruin the season, but I, I would really pinpoint it as where things started getting a little shaky, and it was when Steve Moses quit the team in December. And I say quit the team because he literally just jumped ship and signed with a team in the KHL in December The Rochester Americans suspended him indefinitely, and it came out that he had signed with, I believe, Jokerit. I'm not totally sure which team he ended up going to, but he quit the team after an impressive start to the season. Then some other things started creeping in. C.J. Smith ended up injured for a large part of the second half of the season and never really rediscovered the form he had in the beginning of the year. There was a lot of frequent movement within the organization. Casey Nelson and Nick Baptiste spent most of the second half of the season with the parent club. Justin Bailey got called up early and then was injured. And late in the season, that really became a point of contention within the organization and the fan base. 
A lot of players like Gooley, Bailey, Nelson, and Allmark were called up late in the season. And remember, this was late in the season for the bottom of the league Buffalo Sabres. The Sabres had nothing left to play for. In fact, they could benefit from falling lower in the standings. Meanwhile, the Rochester Americans, while having qualified for the playoffs, were vying for a better position to play a lower team in the standings. Now, there are, were multiple sides to this argument. If you were on the fan boards or Facebook or the Twitter machine, it was a war between fans of particularly the Rochester Americans and fans of particularly the Buffalo Sabres. There were arguments for both sides. Of course, as we've addressed, the Amerks are playing for something the Sabres are not, but we're talking about players who are members of the Buffalo Sabres organization even if they're playing for a team with nothing to play for, getting that AHL experience is certainly valuable. There are arguments there, I get it, but there were some things that were kind of unforgivable, like calling up Kevin Porter and then never playing him. And I'm pretty sure the reason for that was that he made a little more money. They specifically referred to it as a way of quote-unquote rewarding him for having a great season. But he was a valuable player for the AHL team, and you called him out of two or three games never played, and he never played in the Buffalo Sabres. Um, so issues like that, the big ones that really hurt is that Linus Allmark was called up late in the season and got whacked in training, suffered a concussion, and really never recovered from that concussion. Or at least, I don't want, maybe, maybe that's a little harsh to say he never recovered from the concussion. His level of play never returned to what we saw from the first three quarters of the season he had a really rough playoff performance. Um, and actually, let's take it into talking about the playoffs. The team had missed the playoffs for three consecutive seasons. Um, they hadn't won a playoff series since 2004-2005. So obviously, returning to the playoffs for the first time in four years, having not won a playoff series in, what would that be, 13 years? There was a lot of excitement about this organization returning to the playoffs. And ultimately, it ended in a bit of a disappointment. They were swept by the Syracuse Crunch, two games in Syracuse and one game at home. They were outscored 18-10. to 10. Um, Some other notable headlines, Linus Allmark had a really rough go, which was really just quite devastating. Like We talked about the injury concern from that had happened a couple weeks prior, but he was really emotional afterwards. Um, there's a video clip that, you know, I just... I wish hadn't been made public. I don't think it should have, but it was. He was asked about you know what it's what it's meant to have played with those guys in the Rochester Americans for the last few seasons, and having had a disappointing playoff appearance, um, having come to the end of his time with the Rochester Americans because he was going to be moving up to the NHL the next year. He became really emotional and just asked for the next question. And I mean, if if. If you don't know, if you haven't watched a lot of the Rochester Americans, if you haven't followed Linus Allmark, I'm going to tell you that you're in for a treat. He's one of the most lovable characters in sports that I've ever encountered. He's been amazing with the fans. He seems like a lovable guy within the locker room. You are really going to like rooting for this guy when he gets up top. Um, he had a rough go in the playoffs. Hudson Fashing was scratched for at least one, maybe two of the games in the playoffs. He had an incredibly rough go in the playoffs as well. Alex Nylander played a complete vanishing act. Um, 
there was a well, it was I was about to call it a minor incident. It really wasn't a minor incident. Andrew McWilliam was suspended for the last game. That was in Syracuse, and I actually didn't see what happened to get him suspended, but it was actually kind of funny. In the final playoff game in Rochester, I ended up in a concession stand line behind some Rochester Amer- or sorry, some Syracuse Crunch fans, and I asked like, "Hey, what happened with McWilliam in the last game?" And the one guy said, oh, dude, McWilliam, he's a nut. And apparently it had to involve something where there was a fight on the ice. McWilliam was dismissed and sent to the bench and possibly down to the locker room. And he came apparently back out of the tunnel, back onto the ice to resume an altercation he had had before. Obviously, that's not a very cool thing to do. I believe he was handed a three-game suspension, and I'm not totally sure if that carries over. I'm pretty sure that it will, so he might not see the very start of the season this year. Overall, it was a pretty significant disappointment with the playoffs. Given the start that the uh, start to the season that the team had had, if their start hadn't been so hot and if they hadn't been so impressive, perhaps their expectations would have been a little lower going into this season, but ultimately... At the end of the day, there were some higher hopes because I think the fans knew what this team could be capable of and the way that this team could play. And so now we're going to shift to a more positive note and preview the season ahead. And we're going to start off by talking about some of the notable departures for players who are not going to be here this upcoming season. We're going to start off with Seth Griffith. Um, I felt kind of bad for Seth Griffith when he ended up with the Rochester Americans because I believe it was the fourth time in four seasons that he had been waived by an NHL club. Uh, He played roughly 20 games in the Sabres, was not that impressive, but he came down to the AHL level and really had a pretty successful season. Scored 15 goals, had 41 total points in 42 games. Um, He was a really significant player for them. There was one one thing, and I, I read a little about this, and once once I had read it, I really started noticing it in a game. I don't know exact numbers, but if you kept track of the number of times that Seth Griffith ended up on a breakaway and then did not score, it's, it must have been a record. When I really started looking for it, he really had this tendency to get into excellent positions and then not score. Um... I guess there there are positives and negatives there. He seems to have great movement, great vision, but sometimes lack that finishing product. A little iffy, not sure if that's something we're necessarily going to miss in that regard. Anyway, at any rate, rather, um, he signed with the Winnipeg Jets, signed a one-year contract. I'm hoping he can see and play a whole year in the NHL. It was a lot of fun to watch him play. One of the most significant departures that we're going to see this season is Colin Blackwell. He has signed a two-year deal with Nashville, which is not a surprise at all. Um, During those waning, struggling months for the Amherst, you could really see Blackwell take the reins. He was far and away their most impressive offensive player, and he really came out of nowhere. But at the end of the day, it was really no surprise that another NHL team came and snapped him up when he became a free agent. He's going to be missed this season, and it's rather disappointing that he won't be returning to the organization. 
Another one that kind of came out of nowhere was Sahir Gill. He scored 18 goals last season, which was actually the most on the team. And I think he was rewarded for that significant play, and he signed a long, uh, long-term long contract in Germany. Won't be returning to the league or the team this season. Hudson Fashing also won't be returning, which really isn't that much of a surprise or a disappointment. As you know, he was involved in a trade with the Coyotes that saw... Brandon Hickey come the other way, along with Mike Sislo. Fashing really didn't seem to get along very well with Chris Taylor. Uh, he, he never became the player that I think GM Tim Murray at the time thought he was going to be when he acquired him in that trade. He never really got under his um, got his feet under him. Um, I kind of had a personal liking to Hudson Fashing because I, I actually was at the game uh, where he made his NHL debut against the Winnipeg Jets, and he scored, and he looked pretty good. So I'm a little sad that he's never really found that potential that we thought he might have at the organization. He ended up going the other way in a trade. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but he won't be with us next season. I've also included three notable items here, um, or no, sorry, notable players who are still within the organization, but we probably most definitely will not be seeing them with the Rochester Americans next season. And that's Linus Allmark, Justin Bailey, and Nick Baptiste. Um, Linus is going to be the number two or the 1B or whatever term you want to call it goalie for the Sabres. And Justin Bailey and Nick Baptiste are no longer waiver exempt this year. And so they are going to have to try to make the team. And we'll talk about them more in a second. I have them queued up as one of our kind of season preview names to look at this year. But they won't be with the Amherst this season unless they clear waivers, which we'll talk about. There are some notable returners coming back that we'll discuss. Uh, Zach Redmond signed a two-year AHL contract. You might remember that Zach Redmond came along in a trade with Montreal for Nick Delorier. And he scored 15 goals for 47 points. That's the highest point total on the team. And I think when your highest point total player is a defender, that's a sign of two things. Number one, you have a really great dominating defenseman. And number two, you need to be doing more on offense. And it's great. I mean, this was a really great move by the organization in that they're securing a an extremely solid veteran AHL defender who had a great season. And they've signed him to that two-year AHL contract, which really, if he really wanted to go out and try to get an NHL contract, he really could have. And so it's a really good sign that he wanted to stay in Rochester, that he wanted to come back to this team. Looking forward to watching him this season. He was a really impressive last season. Casey Nelson will also be returning on a two-year, two-way deal. Um... I don't know. I mean, it's good for the Rochester Americans, and I think it's good for the organization, but I don't think we'll see him too much in Rochester. And the reason for that is that he is one of three right-handed defensemen in the organization, um, at least NHL level. So we'll be looking at Rasmus Ristolainen, Zach Bogosian, and Casey Nelson. We uh, we know Bogosian's injury record and I, I I don't like to make too much of a big deal over the left hand right hand thing but ultimately like you, you want a couple righties in there and there's an abundance of lefties being a righty in a righty deprived organization is going to help Nelson get up there into the NHL I'm not so sure that we'll see him too much at the AHL level Taylor Fadoon's coming back and there's also another solid core of decent AHL players 
like Kyle Criscolo, Kevin Porter, Dalton Smith. And Dalton Smith is kind of just that aggressive body. Um, he throws the weight around, tries to instigate those penalties. Good, good, not good player, important player to have in an organization. Moving on to some newcomers, and there are a lot, and I'm going to put a little asterisk here before I start this part. I'm going to name a lot of players right here, and just because I name them doesn't necessarily mean we'll see them with the Americans this season. There is a very thin line between like that ECHL versus like minor minutes in the AHL talent. So some of these players we can say, all right, they're definitely Amherst, maybe Sabres. Some of these players, like who really knows? And this first one that we'll start off with, Andrew Ogilvie, he signed a two-year entry-level contract. He's out of Notre Dame. He had 89 points in 107 NCAA games. He was really impressive in that little prospects tournament um, a couple months ago. I'm glad he's going to be with the organization. Not sure if he'll be an Amrick or with uh, Cincy Cyclones. We'll see. An exciting one to talk about is Lawrence Pilot. Like we talk, I believe we talked about him in the Sabres preview. He was the SHL Defenseman of the Year with HV71 in the Swedish Hockey League. It's a really solid two-way defenseman. In an interview re- uh, recently, he said he specifically chose Buffalo because he had a good conversation with Steve Greeley. He said he enjoyed that it was a young team and a hungry team, and he wanted to be a part of it. Part of it seems like a really solid two-way defenseman a great skater. Um, One of those, I was listening to, I believe it was WGR 550, and they were talking, they were processing that development camp a couple months ago, and they were talking about a drill that they were doing with the defenseman, where an offensive player would skate down the boards with the puck, and the defenseman had to skate with them, but they had to skate backwards. And there were two players, there were only two players who could successfully stay with the player skating backwards the whole way. And that was Brendan Gooley and Rasmus Dahlin. And that Lawrence Pilot was also pretty close to being able to do it. So it seems like he's a really solid skater. I think we'll see a lot of him in the AHL this year just because he's coming from that big ice environment with the European ice, and he's going to have to get used to it. I think the Sabres have kind of learned a little bit from the Antipan situation. At least I would hope they have. And I think we'll see him learning the game in the AHL for a little bit. And then when it's time and when he's ready to make that jump, he will. Of course, I could be wrong. He could be, you know, with the puck drop um, week one with the Sabres, but we don't really know. Um... Up next is Brandon Hickey, and he is one that I'm pretty excited about. He was the, he's a left-handed defenseman. He was captain at Boston University where he played all four years. So he has played with Eichel Rodriguez and Danny O'Regan. He came over in that trade for Hudson Fashing, and I have to be honest, I really didn't think he would sign with the Amherst. He was, or sorry, with the Sabres. He was going to be a UFA when his uh, contract rights expired. And I was just looking at, like we talked about that wealth of the left-handed defenseman in the organization. I didn't know that if I were Brandon Hickey, this would necessarily be a place where I wanted to be if I wanted the quickest road to getting some NHL time. But he signed, and I'm really excited to see what he can do in the AHL this year. 
Also coming in from Sweden is Rasmus Asplund. He is a center. He was our 2016 second round pick, and he's been playing with the SHL. And in an interview with uh, WGR 550, Steve Greeley said that they, you know, along with keeping an eye on some of the other Swedish talents in there, they were watching Rasmus Asplund, who had voiced that he really wanted to make the jump over the United States, but they were looking from him for him to make that offensive jump in his offensive output. And he did that this season. He scored, uh, sorry, recorded eight goals and 20 assists. And I'm really excited to see what he can do in the AHL. Someone who's been making a very big name for himself, also a Swedish acquisition, is Victor Olafsson. He was our 2014 seventh round pick. And last season, he was the SHL top scorer with 27 goals with Frölunda. Rasmus Dahlin has specifically said that this dude has the best shot he's ever seen. Do yourself a favor. I think I mentioned this with the Buffalo Sabres preview. Do yourself a favor. Pause this podcast and get on YouTube and look up his season highlights. It will give you the feelings. I'm really excited to see him this season. Um, Up next, Scott Wedgwood is coming in as kind of goalie number three in the organization. He's going to come in to play a part in replacing Linus Allmark in Rochester. He's probably going to split some time with Adam Wilcox, who was also re-signed and was impressive in spurts last year. Um, That's a big question mark this season with the organization is who's going to replace Linus Allmark. And if it's a a tandem situation, um, will they be able to cut it to that extent? Up next, I'm just going to power through a couple minor, I don't, I don't, I hate to be critical and call them minor acquisitions, but here are some unknowns coming in. Uh, Toby, Paquette, Bisson, and Pascal Akeen. They're both out of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Um, Paquette Bisson, uh, I'm sorry, is a defenseman, and Akeen is a forward. Akeen scored 24 goals in 59 games, which is pretty impressive at that level. And uh, PB posted four goals and 23 assists in 59 games. They're kind of unknown quantities. I would imagine these will be more of some EHL, ECHL players. Maybe they'll be coming in uh, later in the season. Kind of some unknown quantities going in. Something the Amerks really needed is Wayne Simpson. He has signed a one-year AHL contract, and he is really a proven AHL scorer in the last couple of seasons. Spent last season with the Hershey Bears. He scored 14 goals and recorded 28 assists. And he brings in that veteran AHL goal scorer. One part of the Hudson Fashing Brandon Hickey trade that I was kind of just a little disappointed about is that the Sabres did also technically acquire Mike Sislo, who's an outstanding AHL scorer. He was a UFA a week after the trade. So the Sabres were acquiring his rights for like five minutes before they um, were going to lose him. So they technically had that opportunity to try to sign him. I don't know if they did, but you know the, the organization really could have used a few more goals last year. And I really would have loved if they had gotten Mike Sislo. They didn't, and I think they're trying to respond to that by signing Wayne Simpson, trying to get a couple more veteran presence goals into the organization. A couple other one-years, um, Yannick Villou on a one-year AHL contract. He spent, the la- spent last season with Laval, where he scored three goals and had seven points. 
might just be kind of a size addition or a body. Also coming in is Taylor Randall, one-year AHL contract. He's been with Boston's organization for the last few years until last year, which he spent with the Bellevue Senators. Scored three goals and had five assists last year. I don't want to be too critical about that because the Belleville Senators, like the Ottawa Senators, were terrible. Um, He's a physical presence. He's a right winger. We'll see what he can do this season. Also coming in is Vasily Glatov. He was technically around last year. He made one appearance, um, but he signed for another year of his uh, entry-level contract. He was a 2016 seventh-round pick. And a couple other very recent ones, uh, Miles Powell um, was a stud from RIT, signed on a one-year AHL contract. And Judd Peterson, actually literally today on Wednesday, um, our 2012 seventh-round pick, signed a one-year AHL contract. Where any of those guys end up is anybody's guess. I would imagine, like some of those other folks, they're ECHL guys, possibly making a couple appearances throughout the season, but we will see. Moving on to part three, we're going to talk about some goals on the ice for the Amherst. And really, like last season, we're going to be looking for them to start strong and to build on and rely on that veteran presence. You've got guys like Porter, Fadoon, Chris Golo, Redmond returning. Rely on them to have a good veteran presence and a strong start to the season. They're also, I mean, if there's going to be any kind of success for the Amherst this season, they need to fill the hole left by Linus Allmark. Whether it's Wedgwood, whether it's Jonas Johansson, or it's Adam Wilcox, or it's some combination of the three, there's going to need to be a strong goalie presence in the back for this organization to be successful. No team gets anywhere unless you have a strong goalie. While you're relying on those veterans in goal and further up the ice, there also needs to be a focus on finding spots for those young players like Victor Olofsson, Rasmus Asplund, and possibly Glatov. I mean, it's difficult to say whether or not these players will even be Amherst this season because there's entirely a significant chance that they will be Buffalo Sabres for most of the season. There are many, many questions about how that bottom six with the Sabres is going to work out and whoever wins is going to be up there, but there, there will definitely be a loser and those losers will be down in the AHL and you got to find a way to get them time, get them developed, get them meaningful minutes at that level. They also need to focus on finding a way to score more goals. And like I said, Mike Cicillo really would have been a good signature. We're not going to have that lights-out goalie behind them anymore. They're going to need to be scoring more goals to get through games. And by the end of the season, obviously the playoffs have to be a goal, but significantly winning a playoff series has to be a goal. At the end of the 18-19 season, if they haven't won a playoff series, that will be 14 straight seasons in which the Rochester Americans have not won a playoff series. That's got to be a significant goal for this organization as well to get over that hump and start or at least maybe continue to breed that culture of winning in the lower organization that you would hope would infect that parent organization with the Buffalo Sabres. And of course, off the ice, there are going to be some goals as well, and one of those has to be making progress on the stadium issues. There's actually a little bit of news on this in that the city of Rochester recently cut ties with the company that was operating Blue Cross Arena. 
And Pagula Sports has a short-term contract with the city while they negotiate a longer-term deal. Nothing's going to happen quickly, but it would really reassure Rochester fans if a long-term deal would include plans to fix Blue Cross Arena or find a new arena for Rochester, I'm sorry, the Rochester Americans to play in Rochester. There hasn't been any formal movement on this, but there is a, you know, it's whispered quietly throughout the stadium that there's a fear that the Pagulas are going to take the Americans to Buffalo. Um, Obviously, that wouldn't be something that the Americans fans would appreciate, particularly the fans in Rochester. And so if the plan is to stay in Blue Cross Arena, as they would like, there are some things that really need to happen in this stadium. And these, what I'm about to tell you, that these are not new issues. Uh, bathroom renovations are significantly needed. Better seating. A lot of those seats are really cramped together. A lot of the cup holders have been taken out if they were even there in the first place. There are issues with the ceiling. It's rather unsightly. Um, a lot of the ducts and insulation need repair. There's a lot of insulation just kind of hanging out, which I, I've made a joke every season. I just I really don't understand how that's still the case. Like, pay a dude a hundred bucks and put him on a ladder and throw some duct tape on that thing. It's, that, there's there's really no excuses for some of the issues going on like the audio issues in certain parts of the stadium you can't hear what's coming on over the pa system including who the scorers recently were or what's occurring on the ice or calls made by the refs um, so issues with that um, video issues there are barely any if there are any at all flat screen monitors in the stadium and that's unforgivable in 2018 something that like i don't know i find this a little endearing about blue cross arena but it's it's kind of unforgivable as well the the jumbotron the main screen is not over the center of the ice and if you've never been to blue cross what i'll explain to you is that the rink also isn't in the center of the building it's not a fully um, I was about to say fully circular, but it's not a circle. The, the seating does not maintain uniformity all the way around the season uh, or all the way around the stadium. On one end of the stadium, there is no lower tier seating. There's kind of like a party deck. And then above that is a more of a bleacher type seating. There's still rows of seats, but they're and the, really the only kind of you would call it 300 level seating off to the top. So it's there's for three quarters of the stadium, there's a 200 level section and a 100 level section. And then it kind of cuts off. And so because of that cutoff, the rink isn't in the center of the building. So the jumbotron, if that's what we'll call it, is in the center of the building, which is not the center of the ice which is always really goofy if you are sitting on the center ice line and you're looking to the side to see the digital display. It's super goofy, and this would be a major significant renovation, but I've got to think that that's got to be something that they've got to change to make this a legitimate arena for the renovations. Now moving on to our final section, we're going to make some predictions for the season, and this isn't a prediction in terms of 
standings or performance. I mean, really quickly for that, I, I do think this team has it in them to make the playoffs. I think they'll have a lot of impressive players this season, but I'd like to specifically focus on just a couple of players like I assigned some um, some kind of token names to or token expectations to with some Buffalo Sabres. I have done the same with some of the Rochester Americans. And like with the Buffalo Sabres, I have a most to prove category. And this is the player who has the largest setback or the most room to grow and maybe the most pressure on them to grow coming into this season. And it probably won't surprise you. It's Alex Nylander. Um, Now there are pros and cons to Alex Nylander's situations. One of the cons is that it's his third season as a professional hockey player. And as a first round pick, he has really never gotten off the ground. Um, He's already been labeled a bust by some corners of the fan base. I don't necessarily agree with that. And the reason that I don't agree with that is that going into some of the pros for his situation. He is still only 20 years old. Um, He has a lot of time left. His ELC has been sliding, so there won't be a contract situation coming up anytime soon. Um, So those are all pluses. He seemed to be having a good offseason last year and then was injured right before camp and couldn't participate. Hopefully we're looking for that situation to change, but he was going to show up for that little mini prospects tournament last season and ended up with a minor injury that kept him out of it. So I would label him as the most to prove, especially looking at his situation. I mean, things could have and probably should have been handled differently in his development. It probably, a couple years ago, was not the best idea to throw him right into the AHL as an 18-year-old. Or was he 17 at that point? I can't remember. Too young. He probably should have gone to the OHL or some other developmental league and dominated for a season or two before making the jump here. Hindsight's maybe 2020 at looking how things have gone, but ultimately why I feel he has the most to prove is you look at the way that Botterill operates. He is really pushing this grooming in the AHL level, development at the AHL level, and developing players to prepare them for the NHL. If you are not doing it in the AHL, you're not going to make it in the NHL and a Jason Botterill team. I mean, to compare that to Linus Allmark. Linus Allmark, I think, was maybe a little disappointed to be spending so much time at the AHL level the last couple of seasons, but while he was there, he dominated the AHL, and now he's going to be an NHL goalie. They think he's ready. They think he's their guy. Alex Nylander really needs to see that as an inspiration and move in a positive direction that way. Moving on to my hottest seats, and uh, these two players were mentioned earlier, and they probably won't be making much of an appearance for the Rochester Americans, at least I'm, I'm predicting that. My hottest seats are Justin Bailey and Nick Baptiste, and the reason I think we won't see them with the Americans this season is that they are no longer waiver exempt and will have to clear waivers to get down to the AHL, and I... Don't think that they will. While they haven't necessarily lit up 
either level of the league. I think their speed in the modern NHL is going to make them really attractive, and someone will take a punt on them. So I don't think they will clear waivers. And as a result, I think if if they want a future in the Buffalo Sabres, they've really got to prove it at that NHL level right off the bat. Um, I think with the number of players rounding out that bottom six and how some of them won't quite fit, I think... I think Justin Bailey and Nick Baptiste, one or both, could be part of a trade before we see the start of a season. It's just there's not a lot of room up there. And these are two players that, like, there's good news and bad news here. The The bad news is is that um, there's, there's not a lot of room for them if they don't cut it and camp and don't really demonstrate to the coaching staff that they can make it at the NHL level. The silver lining of this is I'd, I'd like fans to think of it this way. There were a couple seasons where Justin Bailey and Nick Baptiste were the pride of the organization and development. And you look at the quality of player that they are and then look at what the pride of the organization is now at the AHL level. Look at some of the players we're going to be watching at this level in the next couple of seasons. Like the chapter of Justin Bailey and Nick Baptiste, whom I love. I'm not trying to be overly critical of them, but they were kind of the face and they were embraced by the Rochester Americans fans. We loved them in Rochester. They were wonderful faces of the organization. And now they're moving on. And you look at the level of the talent coming up behind them and you realize that this is the beginning of a really good chapter for the Buffalo Sabres because that level of ability is really going to see an increase um, as we go forward into this season. What the futures for Justin Bailey and Nick Baptiste hold, I have no idea. It's one of those major question marks going into the season, but I think they're on our hottest seat if they want to continue being Buffalo Sabres in the future. Moving on to my wild card of this season, and these are players who I think could be anything. They could be nothing at all. They could be someone who doesn't really see a whole lot of ice time, or they could take the league by storm. Um, and they are two Swedes, uh, Rasmus Asplund and Lawrence Pilot. And these are two players who are definite question marks going into the season. Can they cut it at the AHL level? Can they cut it on the small ice? Can they continue to put up the type of displays they were putting on in the SHL level last season? If they can, we could be talking about some awesome additions to this team. If not, we'll see. I also have penciled in here Danny O'Regan. And Danny O'Regan is almost a forgotten member of the organization because when the Sabres traded Evander Kane, uh, the only thing anyone really ever wanted to talk about was that first round pick and the fact that the Sabres have three going into this upcoming draft. But Danny O'Regan is not a bad player. He's not replacing Evander Kane. He never will. Like we, the, the, There's no winning and losing in that, that argument. I mean, he's a far less skilled player but he's not nobody and he's actually a really powerful performer at the AHL level and if he continues to be so I think if there if there's a lot of success at the Amherst this season I think Danny O'Regan's going to have a big part in that biggest fling is kind of the the players I'm 
just most looking forward to seeing what they can do, partly because they just look awesome in some of the highlight clips that I have, and partly just because I just wanna see what they can do with the organization. One, like we've talked about, is Victor Olofsson. His snapshot, snapshot is just incredible. One of the best shooting highlight videos I've watched in a while. Go check it out, super excited about it. I'm also excited about Tage Thompson. And now I don't, again, another one of those question marks. Where is Tage Thompson going to be? Is he going to be a bottom six NHL player? Or is he going to be an AHL player this season? I think regardless of where he ends up out of camp, we will see him at the Amherst at some point this season. And one of his kind of talking points when coming from the St. Louis Blues in that Ryan O'Reilly trade was that he doesn't feel he ever really got a chance with St. Louis. And I'm excited to see, first of all, if he gets that chance with the Sabres. And if he doesn't, I'm excited to see, first of all, what he can do at the AHL level, but also what his attitude is if he ends up at the AHL level. Um, Something I'm looking forward to this season. Uh, I have a label for most important returning players. Two of them are veterans. Uh, one of them is Zach Redmond, like we talked about. One of them is the captain, Kevin Porter. And one of them is a younger guy, Brendan Gooley. And for one, well, first of all, I'm going to address the fact that I don't think Brendan Gooley starts with the Sabres at the beginning of this season, like we talked about in the preview pod for the Sabres. I think he'll start down, partly for the chance for him to get more playing time in a more dominant role partly because there's just that abundance of left-hand veteran talent at the NHL level. But the reason I think he's one of the most important returning players is that Brendan Gooley transformed the way that the Rochester Americans could play last season. And when he got called up towards the tail end of that season, it really showed when they didn't have that powerful skater coming from blue line to blue line, bringing the puck in with pace. Um... He, I, you know, I talking about Linus Allmark earlier about how he dominated at the AHL level and showed, showed that ability level at the AHL to show that he was ready for the NHL. I'm looking forward to seeing Brendan Gooley try to do that this season. Two players I think they will miss the most from last season, uh, Sahir Gill and Colin Blackwell. Um, Gill scored 18 goals last season, highest goal scorer on the team. Kind of came out of nowhere in that regard. Um, Those goals need to be replaced, and hopefully the players who have been brought in can do so. Colin Blackwell, like we talked about, major dark horse of last season. It was really impressive to see some of the things he could do on the puck. I wish him all the luck in Nashville last year. Or last year, I wish him all the last year. I wish him all the luck in Nashville this year, and I'm a little sad and disappointed that nothing got over the line for the Americans, but good luck to you, Colin. Last couple things we're going to chat about is actually where the season starts. Their opening fixture is Friday, October 10th against the Charlotte Checkers. Um, I'm just going to say off the bat, it's a Friday, and there's no Sabres game, and so you should go. Um, Tickets are on sale now. And they are never really that expensive. I'm really looking forward to this home opener. It's actually a double home opener in that there's another game on Saturday the 6th against the Checkers again. There is a Sabres game that uh, that night, so I will forgive you if you don't end up at that one. But you should definitely, if you are free that Friday, October 5th, you should try to make it out to the Rochester Americans opener. 
Um, later that week, they also play at home on Wednesday against the Syracuse Crunch. So that'll be the first game of that um, playoff series, or sort of first rematch of that playoff series that the Saber or the Americans lost last season. That's on October 10th. And then they finally go away for two games against Bridgeport on the 13th and 14th. You can check out the full schedule online. There's actually, like the Sabres schedule, a way for you to add their schedule to your iPhone or Android device, which is pretty handy. A um, couple updates for down the road. The Sabres announced that camp will start on the 13th of September at the Harbor Center. There's also that Prospects Tournament this weekend. Um, tickets were available. I'm not sure if they still are at this time, but if you are free this weekend for Labor Day weekend and want to go watch some Sabres hockey, that might be something you might want to go check out. Um, we do have two questions coming in. They were both emailed to the pod. And remember that was ickgawpod, I-C-G-A-W-P-O-D at gmail.com. And Um, Dan has emailed us to ask, which Amherst players are you most excited for? And I talked about my flings, um, which involved Victor Olofsson and Tage Thompson, and I'm going to leave them on there, but I'm also just most excited for Brendan Gooley and to see what step he takes in his career. It's really going to be his second full year as a pro, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do. Of course, we might end up seeing him at the Sabres level, but something that I think just kind of gets lost with Brendan Gooley and that skating ability is when you watch it on TV, you don't quite see just how fast he gets from end to end. Um, and when you get to be, when you're able to watch him in person, if you are someone who attends Sabres games or attend Amherst games, you'll see that skating ability really shine through. It's a joy to watch. I'm really excited to see the next steps that he takes. Dan, thank you so much for your question. Up next is a question from Phil. Phil, thank you so much for your question. And all Phil's question says is, Reinhardt for Pacioretty, yes or no? And Pacioretty has been, you know, for large parts of this season, he was a pretty big talking point of the offseason. And that's sort of starting to heat back up, although the the latest chatter seems to be that he's going to stay at Montreal for this season. Um, Sam Reinhart, as of today, has not inked a new contract. He is a restricted free agent going into this season. There's been a lot of chatter about what he should or should not be paid, and specifically what kind of term he should or should not be handed. Um... Reinhardt for Pacioretty, off the bat, I'm just going to say no um, for a couple of reasons. And I want to be clear that um, is Max Pacioretty someone that I would want to see the Buffalo Buffalo Sabres organization? 100%, absolutely. Do I want to see him there in exchange for Sam Reinhardt? No. Um, Reinhardt is at least six years younger He's coming into showing that he could possibly be a consistent AH, or sorry, consistent. I've been saying AHL this whole hour. Could possibly be a consistent NHL goal scorer. That's one of the reasons that consistency question mark is a big reason why there are debates over what what the dollar amount and what the term should be for his contract. But he seems to be a really important piece, and 
if they're going to blow up Reinhardt for some other assets, I would rather have it be a younger player than Pacioretty or more pieces than Pacioretty. Because the pro- the good thing about Pacioretty is you're getting a pro- promise, or not promising, you're getting a proven NHL player. You're getting a captain of a, probably one of the most difficult teams to captain um, from a publicity and a media standpoint. You're getting a great guy and a great player, but he's 29 and he's a UFA at the end of the year. We've already got that situation with Jeff Skinner, but we got Jeff Skinner for peanuts. I'm not willing to give up you know, a second overall pick in, in Sam Reinhart and someone who might be just a significant cog in this organization for years to come for a guy who we might be waving goodbye to in as little as seven months. Um, so no, I'm going to say no to Reinhardt for Pacioretty. Um Ultimately, I just don't think this is the right time for the Sabres to be looking for a player like Pacioretty. I think this year is still a building year. They're look, I think that this organization needs to be looking to be in the playoff conversation by the end of the season. They don't have to make it, I think, for it to be a successful season. They need to be in the conversation. Getting an excellent and also cheap at $4.5 million a year player like Pacioretty for a one-year rental is something that like Tampa Bay or Boston or a team like that who are right there and just need that one extra player who would really make them an ultimate elite team. Never mind, those teams already are elite teams. But this is not the time for the Sabres to burn some assets to get a player like that. They're a couple years away from doing that, and I really wouldn't want to see them lose a young, promising player for that. So ultimately, no thank you. Phil, thanks again so much for your question. And now I'll turn it over to you guys. What do you guys think? Tweet us in at Ickgaw. Reinhardt for Pacioretty, would you take that deal? And are there players that you are looking forward to seeing with the Rochester Americans this season? That's about it for our show today. Thank you so much for stopping by and having a listen. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to leave us a review and subscribe. Um, You can find us on iTunes. We will be on Spotify shortly once we get to five episodes. We'd love to see you on Twitter. You can find us, follow us, and yell questions or concerns at us at ickgaw on Twitter. You can also email us at ickgawpod at gmail.com. We'd like our next episode to be primarily comprised of talking about your questions. So if you have something you'd like us to chat about, we'd love to hear it. Remember to buy those tickets to the Amherst season opener on October 5th against the Charlotte Checkers. It's a Friday, and if you don't have plans, it'd be a great place to be. Ultimately, end of the day, keep those heads up, Sabres fans. Remember, it might not get much better, but it can't get any worse. We'll see you guys soon. Kick in to Oposo. Oposo hanging on to it back at the point. Oposo drops it off in the corner to Eichel. Eichel buzzing around. Eichel in the side.